podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. intro for a long while uh hey guys i'm si welcome to ace podcast nation and uh, we're here for a very special one-off show to uh to take a look at the transformation of welsh football uh if you're new here and you prefer your podcast in audio form all of the shows which we produce are available at the sports social podcast network under their separate titles and stuff so do check them out uh we have a regular football show every thursday roger gigs on football plus mma and boxing show every sunday and uh plenty of other shows including uh, my story where we talk to different guests from different walks of life and uh, let them tell their story and tomorrow we are joined by uh, Welsh rapper and mindset coach Jay Speaks as he tells his story which is a very interesting uh, episode and did not go the way I thought it was going to go but nevertheless it was a lot of fun and uh, I appreciate him traveling down from somewhere up west but anyway uh, I am delighted to be joined once again. It's been a while since uh, we've seen him on the channel, but uh, I see him quite a lot. But I'm delighted to welcome back uh, Eat Sleep Media Creative Director, Welsh football fans host, and of course, Talk Sports Welsh football correspondent, Lawrence Mora. Welcome back, my friend. How are you? Oh, mate. I'm, yeah, yeah, really pleased to be back. And um, uh, given all those big names you had on the intro, I'm a bit of a letdown, really, aren't I? <laughs> I think you were, in, you were on there as yeah. well, somewhere, weren't you? Oh, was I? Did I'm, I, sure, I, I'm, uh, I'm sure you're on there one. somewhere. <laughs> I'm sure you're on there somewhere. Yeah, you, you definitely came on. But uh, no, it was... Um, yeah, I, I do miss the sh- those shows, those Monday nights with Andy and just having like a different guest roll in each week. That was a lot of fun. But, you know, man's got to go and manage a football team. What can you do? And he's doing very, very well. <laughs> is he? Is he doing well up there? Yeah, they, they yeah. had a good season. Oh, they stayed up that. last year and they are looking for new players and stuff now. So I think, yeah. yeah. Oh, he's a top you bloke, know. Andy, isn't he? Top bloke, he top bloke. But we're talking Welsh football, mate. Why Why would I yeah. not want to be here for Welsh football chat? Exactly that, mate. And I thought, like, I wanted to do this show. As soon as Wales qualified for the World Cup, I was like, I want to do something. I want to talk about Welsh football. and I, But I want to talk about how it went from very, very bad to very, very good. It didn't happen overnight. It took time. There was a lot of people involved. I think there's a few people who don't get enough credit. And I would also include the most recent outgoing manager in that as well. 
but we will discuss all of this. And I thought, who would be the best person to discuss it with and who would have the most knowledge? Um, I phoned them. They weren't available. So I came to you, Max. <laughs> oh. Very good, very good. Very good. I thought, I thought that on the fly as well. I thought that was quite good. <laughs> so um, oh, look at that. Straight away, Gaz in the chat, West Ham fan, says, I just came to the channel, lads. Show some support. I'm not sure I can last a full show talking about Wales with you lot. Appreciate you guys. Appreciate the sentiment, if nothing else. But um, what I would like to do before we kind of delve into it is uh, if anyone's got any questions, if anyone's got particular moments which they want to talk about or focus or when they think things changed or maybe some of your worst moments as a, as a Welsh football fan, get involved, drop them in the chat. And of course, you know, spread the words, tell your friends, all that good stuff as always. Um, so obviously we could go back a long time with all the different close failures. Um, you know, the Bowden penalty miss mm. is the obvious one. I don't quite want to go back sort of that far. I kind of want to start around about the sort of the playoff under Mark Hughes for, I think it was Portugal 2004, wasn't it? Mm. And um, that wasn't without its controversy, even that in the two-legged playoff. Uh, some Russian or a Russian player uh, uh, whose name I'm about to butcher. Uh, Yigai Titov, Titov uh, tested positive for a banned substance after the first leg, mm. uh, which was nil-nil. But however, FIFA took no action against the uh, the Russian FA other than telling him that he wasn't to play in the second leg. Russia went on to win, won nil in Cardiff. The thing which always sticks out for me with that is that Robert Earnshaw was in the form of his life that mm. season. I think he'd scored a lot of goals. I forget. I think I'm sure that was the season he'd scored like 25, 30 goals. And um, he spent his second leg in Cardiff. I think he spent it, most of it out on the right wing. Mm. And it felt very much to me, at least, and I'm going off, you know, memory. We're talking sort of 20 plus years ago. Well, 20 years ago, just about, isn't it? Um, yeah, it's. I just remember feeling really frustrated with that particular instance because I felt like we could have beaten Russia, and they got the tactics wrong, and it was all a bit. Yeah, they, definitely. I think you could definitely argue the poor selection of Hughes. He went a little bit defensive. I remember hearing um, when Ryan Giggs, and I'm sure we'll come on to chat about him, but I remember him talking about it in his very early days uh, as Wales manager, and he was saying. You know, we the team we had, we had a, you know, eleven or twelve really. You know, that was our that was our squad, and, and beyond that, we had players that we would get in if we were desperately needed them to plug a gap. Really, it wasn't like like it is now, where you can swap sort of four or five players in and out, and and you got a squad there. And um, he talked about the the second leg against Russia that the tiredness had crept into the legs, and that you couldn't quite get you know out of it what they put in in the first leg. I mean. That might be because the Russians had some other things in their bodies, which was helping them run faster uh, and longer yes. and recover quicker. Yes, indeed. But, you know, uh, I, I, at the same time, it did feel like that. It felt like it was a game too far for the boys. And, and yeah, I don't like, um, just had hearts and kind of up there on his own and he was toiling away and we didn't get enough support into him and we didn't get gigs on the ball enough and it was all... Yeah, it was all such a such a disappointment, wasn't it? Knocked us back, knocked us back many years, but then yeah, potentially I, could have been seen as as actually one of the 
best things to happen for Welsh football, given what happened over the next 10 years. <laughs> yeah, it was almost the, the catalyst, real. wasn't it, for the change, I suppose, because I think we're going into those Russian games, the, the playoffs. I think whilst we were fairly comment, like uh, fairly confident, and I wouldn't say we, you know, we thought we were going to win, but I think we felt like over two games we could beat Russia. I, th- I think yeah. after we got the goalless draw, I, yeah. I was like, I was thinking, yeah, we'll get them home. This is ours. This is our moment, you know. And you mentioned like we had like twelve players, and then it was you were looking outside of those sort of eleven mm. or twelve. You were looking into the you know League One, League Two, sometimes lower. Um, but what I would say is that team also had some exceptional footballers in it, oh, yeah. and probably should have maybe done better. But like you say, there's there's lots of um, things which go into it. Um, yeah. It was it wasn't too long. Um, I think we followed that up with a World Cup qualification, which wasn't uh, particularly tidy. And then Mark Hughes left his role. And, uh, yeah, so I, I remember, um, obviously, when John Toshak became the Welsh manager again, mm. um, and obviously you know a lot about John Toshak, having uh, just produced a, a film on him, which we'll definitely talk about that, I'm sure. But, like, when he first became the Wales manager again, and you are sort of, you know, you, I've skipped on a bit of time. I remember being quite disappointed. I felt like it was a bit of a backward step. And I specifically remember using the term, it's jobs for the boys. It's the same kind of rotation of the same types of managers. And I remember being very frustrated by it. But actually, um, when I sort of did the, or when I got Jamie to do the artwork for the show, I sort of said from speed to the World Cup. And it was when I had a conversation with you after a couple of days later that it was it was John Toshak which started that transformation because he abandoned maybe results as such with the feeling that we're going to put these young youngsters in and a lot of, you know they were very young players we're going to put a lot of them in they won't necessarily do fantastic now but in ten years time we're going to reap the benefits of it. And that was a brave decision because yeah. not, you know, management, you haven't got that time of you, like it's results. Yeah. And if you don't get the results, you're gone. And I think when you look back at it, and it's easy with hindsight perhaps, but I do think that um, it was a brave decision for him to do that. Yeah. And I think, obviously Brian Flynn as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. Flynn, I think, plays a, played a huge role in it. And, uh, and those two together, they they just they just said enough's enough. Really, we need to we need to sweep it out. But don't forget that I will give Toshak lots of credit, um, probably more more so than than he's had in the past. And I think uh, as time's gone by, you know, <laughs> those horrible memories of those games uh, disappears somewhat, given the success we've had. And therefore, you can look at it a little bit more objectively. But in the moment when Toshak was taking over, and the likes of Robbie Savage, uh, Speed as well, Pembridge, Melville, they, they just they went, we're done. We're done with international yeah. football. And they walked and you're like... Oh shit! Hang on a second. Mm-hmm. <laughs> what have we got here? And it's all you know. I can remember um, you know big the big Barney on the on talks uh, talks on the um, real radio. If you remember real radio back in the day, 
when uh, when when uh, Leighton James and uh, Robbie Savage went toe to toe or uh, down down the line as they were mm-hmm. uh, as, as mm-hmm. James was saying, "Why well, you can't walk out on Wales? What are you walking out on Wales for?" Oh, Toshak knows where I am. Tell him to call me. Oh, he's got to call <laughs> you. It was the most brilliant. I mean, go and look it up on YouTube if if anybody wants to uh, has not heard it. It is a sensational bit of radio. Um, I think you just need to type in Savage and uh, Leighton James real radio phone in. It's absolutely brilliant. But it really sums up kind of where we were at with that side. We just didn't have, like, the older players didn't want to play for Tosh. And that's the brutal truth. So in a way, his hand was forced with playing the youngsters. On the flip side of that, you know, it was a very conscious decision. He wasn't asked if the seniors weren't weren't there for the ride. What he wanted was people who would buy into him transforming this team and allowing the younger players full of talent. They looked at that side that they uh, that, that we had around about that time in that under twenty one side, and were like, "Got some players here, you know." Bale and Ramsey and uh, Vokes was coming through Ledley. with the 21s. Ledley was coming through. Of course, you know, you can go on and list that team that did so brilliantly in 2016. And there they were, you know, like, and, uh, and Brian Flynn was just molding them in the 21s while Tosh was kind of oh, getting results at the world, throwing them in the deep end. And it was a conveyor belt through of talent that was coming into the 21s and Flinney was pushing them up one by one. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and, and, and you could, so you could see it, you could see kind of what he was doing in retrospect, but living through it was bloody awful. I mean, I can remember, yeah, painful. Do you remember those crowds we used to get at the, at the Millennium Stadium? It was called Millennium, wasn't then. It was awful, absolutely awful. And like, just so depressing. I remember going there and thinking like, you know, there was a side that Bellamy was playing and Giggs was playing. And, you know, it was a good, you go, God, these are players you'd go and pay to watch. And there was like 8,000 rattling in there watching us beat Cyprus. God, yeah. I, I, to be fair, struggling to beat Cyprus. Yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, Craig makes a great point. He mm. says, that he said about the crowds, he said, um, you know, we went from having 70,000 people watching, you know, Wales play in the Millennium Stadium to suddenly struggling Mm. any sort of fans in this you know eight thousand or whatever and yeah. even now sometimes we there seems to be the odd game where we do struggle to sell out the Cardiff city stadium it's a weird thing mm. because then you'll have games like uh, i always remember the the italy game um going off on a bit of a tangent sorry yeah. but like that italy game which we, uh, where we won was one of my favorite football matches of all time mm. but the atmosphere was so um raucous and it was just so it was like um, it was like some of those Italian players didn't quite expect what you know what was there, what was coming their way from in terms of the atmosphere. But unfortunately, for it was only for the big games that you seem to be able to really get those atmospheres going. However, I do think, which we, of course we'll get to over probably since two thousand and sixteen, maybe a little bit before that has changed. I think the the move to the Cardiff City Stadium made sense mm. because having, like you say, like seven or eight thousand in a seventy thousand seat stadium is one not financially intelligent or viable, uh, and also looks terrible and probably sounds terrible to the players yeah, as well because definitely yeah, it's just an echo, isn't it, of mm. hearing individual voices and stuff. Um. So yeah, I think John Toshak. I agree with you that his hand was forced. 
but he also didn't um he didn't go and chase those players who who quit he no. didn't you know go and beg them to come back which he could yeah. have you know he could have made an effort to try and oh, convince them i know he john didn't. big john would never <laughs> beg anyone to come and play for him absolutely not <laughs> he's uh you know he would take he certainly wouldn't go down that route and um yeah, I think I think there was um there was a game I, I remember going as a kid and well, kid kid but no as a young man and uh, yeah. and it was in two thousand and six and went to watch um at the end of twenty ones playing at Villa Park against England. Do you remember we we almost got to that Euro final and I just remember Ramsey playing us so so brilliantly that night. I came away thinking like just feeling really positive about it and 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 I thought that. Yes, there could be this, you know, there, there are these players. We do have these players that can come through and, and be good. But it was, um, it was, it was, it was hard to see what that they were buying into Toshak because you, you could see him giving them opportunities. You could see what he was, you know, he wanted these players to play and giving them experience. But I still could never quite see. Uh, his plan. They never know. They never looked like they enjoyed it. They never looked like they were on camp uh, and loving life under him. And that's hard to say because he, he was obviously doing his, his best bit for Welsh football. It was, he was all about, but you could tell it needed something different. Yeah, hundred percent. And I mean, when you compare the, the, just the atmosphere within the squad, then compared to, from probably you know from Gary Speed to present day, the, mm. the the passion, the enjoyment, the smiles on the faces—you never, ever, ever saw that under Toshak. And I don't, I don't. Yeah. To be fair, I don't think you saw it under Mark Hughes either. Um, you know, I think in terms of no, that was a very different. Um, that was a different squad, though, wasn't it? I mean, they were yeah. so experienced. He had like you know the the type of players he had there were sort of you know night and day from what Toshak was working with i mean the only ones really that stayed stayed with him were um uh, what's his name Carl Fletcher Fletcher yeah Fletcher, Fletcher. Yeah, um, Fletcher stayed, didn't he Carl Fletcher Giggs yeah he stayed well Bellamy turned up Giggs. occasionally turned up occasionally yeah uh, Bellamy uh, yeah, Bellamy, was, Bellamy was a fairly young keep, man at that yeah, point, wasn't he? he was, the keeper he as well as Samson Keeper. I always forget his name, bless him. Yeah, Paul Jones was there. The Jones Paul stayed. Jones. But um, you know, Gabidon played and uh, you and you had also James Collins was coming through at that point or was in and around it. And so you had some decent enough players. We should have been getting better results than we were. And obviously that young Gareth Bale getting very quick. Mm very quick uh, acceleration into the first team and bagging bagging free kicks that he's still doing now so um so yeah but it wasn't until you sort of saw that kind of late noughties side uh, and the likes of gunter being introduced and hennessy and things like that and uh, you were like oh okay yeah okay okay well i'm feeling it now a little bit but it still took you know toshak leaving and speed someone. coming in and yeah, that, that was the moment it changed because all of a sudden you actually had some youth in there and you had somebody who the players really bought into and really understood and understood them as well and understood them as young professionals in the modern game. And that's, it's, it's tough to say because I've got so much respect for Tosh and I think he gets a massively raw deal. And what he did was he went through the pain for, for what we had to come. But it did take him leaving for that upward curve mm. do you can i ask you a question quickly yeah. um has your overall opinion of john toshak 
changed from before you made the film and after? Um, yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Look, we were, um, so I obviously for my age, I don't really remember Tosh as a player. I don't, I don't remember Tosh as a player, apart from watching videos and things like that and, uh, and hearing what people had to say about him. Um, my knowledge of him was limited. Like my granddad was um, was from up kind of Liverpool way, and he always talked about how incredible he was. Uh, uh, this great force of nature uh, playing for Liverpool, and um, and so all this. And then 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 I met him, uh, and I was when did I start working? So my first job was at Real Radio Wales in two thousand and five. That was my first journalist job, and um, yeah, and so he was manager at the time his press conferences they were awful to sit through awful and so i had this kind of like guy's an arrogant old sod and bit of a bore as well and that was my mm. image of him but yeah doing the movie that we've just done recently looking back at his swansea time and seeing him up close you can sort of see the method in his madness if you like you know he was very much like our lead from the front he had a huge presence about him he's actually got a bit of he's he is there's some warmth in there as well that arrogance and that confidence is there like he was a leader if you like so so he, and schooled in slightly an old school way if you like and i think that that's where the juxtaposition came you had the young players coming through and they didn't quite understand his old school methods if you like so i think that's where we didn't get the results that we could have got quicker than we did yeah and i think um with the greatest of respect like those young players i mean if you know if you in the same way that you didn't really know him much in terms of a, as yeah. a playing career they may not have been overly yeah. familiar with him as a in terms of what he had done in the game other than to read about it or see mm. clips and stuff um, whereas obviously when Gary Speed came in, they would have all known who he was. They would have all known his reputation within the game because he wasn't long, um, you know, out of the out of players playing career at Pre all. Massive Premier League legend, Premier League well, legend, absolutely. When um, when I had Kevin Evans in at ECD Media the other week, um, travelled all the way from Australia to see me, and um, he obviously started his career at Leeds before he came to Cardiff. And um, he tells a funny story about how they were sort of all kids, like uh, he's just moved up to Leeds, sort of 15, 16 or whatever. And um, he's got like a completely shaved head, but he's got like a big, long fringe, uh, Kevin has. And they're all, all the kids are sort of sat in the cafeteria. And um, Gary Speed, who was in the first team at the time, walks past and he sort of looks in the window of the cafeteria, sort of looks carries on walking and then he comes back and he opens the door and he comes in and he says come here and kevin went to him and he said um uh you're welsh you are aren't you and he was like yeah and he said cut that f in air and like and then from then on he kind of like took him not took him under his wing fully mm. but like he would really he would give him a bit of time and yeah. um, just Look explain out, to him that you know, you're Welsh and you're representing Wales outside of Wales and you're up in Leeds. And just, he, Kevin said, like, the the instant respect that he had, like, he, he didn't take it as, like, a jibe about his hair. He took it as as uh, him looking out for him and, and and him just taking the time to speak to, a, you know, a, a 15, 16-year-old kid. He didn't need to do it. And 
he, Kevin just said, the respect throughout the football club for him, even at that age. And I think, you know, you're going back probably best part of 15 years, at least, I would have thought. Um, you know, Gary Speed wasn't like an old, old footballer at that point. He no, was probably no, no. relatively new into the Leeds team. And um, yeah, it was just like a funny little story. But I mean, he's, he was so respected. I've never, ever heard anyone say a bad word about Gary Speed. No. And I know that can sometimes happen when someone passes away. But even mm. before that, like I never heard anybody say anything even remotely negative about him ever. You never hear a f- footballer or a manager. I didn't even remember a manager criticising him, to be honest. Um, yeah. He was just so well-respected. But like you say, what, what he did is straight away, all of the players knew who he was. All of the players respected him instantly. Mm. And playing for Wales looked fun again. Yeah. Um, and I, I just, just, just to leap back, sorry to interrupt, mm, but yeah, just to leap back and, and then so sort of on... Uh, on the Tosh thing. So when, when Hughes, when I remember Speed uh, was obviously playing for Wales and obviously under Bobby Gould and then you went into uh, Hughes. Now, look, there was a big old drinking culture in, in the Welsh national team at that point. And that was how they enjoyed themselves when they went to Wales. And they didn't win any bloody games, but they had a good good time while they were there and they enjoyed sort of meeting up. Which is all fine, but then Toshak was actually the one, uh, and, and sort of you know with, with Flynn, and he brought Flynn in to then push these younger players through. And actually, what he was trying to do as well was he was changing that drinking culture. He wanted them to be more professional. He wanted them to to come on a camp and just think about football. And of course, on an international camp, this can can be a little bit dull. I think the players found it, and so they wanted their professionalism, but they didn't want it. The way that it was delivered under Tosh is my is my own yeah. personal take on it. That's only my own personal take. Um, but uh, but yeah, when Speed came in, of course, then it goes. You get that ultra new professionalism that they have at their clubs. You get a younger guy talking to them, talking the language that they understand, and being their hero. And 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 probably the more modern sort of training sessions. I can remember there was a. a so I, when I was doing a game recently, uh, it was the Ukraine game, I think it was, was it? And, um, and Dean Saunders was in the studio at TalkSport. So Dean was obviously brought into the coaching staff under Tosh. He said, uh, you can remember Gareth Bale taking free kicks and practicing his free kicks. And Tosh apparently came up to Dean and said, Dino, Dino, bloody hell, what is he doing? He cannot be kicking the ball like that. He's gonna break his bloody foot. Get him off, Dino. Get him. And so you know, he's got that sort of drive technique, hasn't yeah. he, Bale? And so, so you got that sort of those new generations. They weren't quite joined up for Tosh, unfortunately. But when Speed came in, he sort of understood those kids. He understood where they were at. Oshan Roberts was at that point then had come in in about 2007, had me into the uh, into the as technical director, and so he and Speed were able to work very closely together, and and they took it on not just by not just what they did on the field and the professionalism they brought on the field, but also how they molded the team off it how they could make it fun, how they could make it so that players wanted to play for Wales and would turn up and play for Wales. And uh, and you wouldn't get the gigs effect where people were pulling out all the time and you wouldn't get those those kind of late call, oh, I can't be arsed, you know what I mean? Like, mm. You know, all those uh, Bobby Gould where he's bringing in players that have barely you know, any Welsh, <laughs> I'm not saying yeah. any Welsh in them, but, you know. Uh, Six times a- removed. 
Yeah, I listened to a podcast with uh, Andy. Uh, uh, got Andy Johnson, Andrew Johnson. Do you remember him from the Gold yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, played for Boris now. And he was on the podcast. They said, Oh, you played international football? Well, he goes, Yeah, oh, yeah, Welsh, though. You know, he's a strong Bristolian <laughs> yeah. accent. Oh, right there. Bobby Ford phoned me up, told me I got born over the border, and that was it. I was in. It's like, Claddy hell. <laughs> Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like, they just picking up, picking up the international shirt because they wanted to come and play. But for, for, for Roshan, and and speed they sort of also understood that they needed those 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 kids with uh you know that are by by national or tri-national but they wanted to get them in early so there was a conscious effort on that so they would get them in early schooled early understand what it is to play for wales get that passion in them for playing for wales meanwhile that's going on underneath and above it speed is putting this ultra modern ultra professional set up into it and making it fun for the lads to actually go and enjoy playing for Wales. Yeah, hundred percent. I'll never forget Vinnie Jones, captain away. Well, Welsh football captain. That was just, that the was dark like days, mate. dark, dark days. Yeah. But I um, want to do a Bobby Gould documentary on his time as yes, Wales manager. That would be a good one. Yeah. It might be quite cathartic for those of us that live through it. I think. Yeah. 100%. 100%. That would be great. I think. <laughs> That would be uh, spectacular, in fact. Do you know, um, yeah, it'd be mind boggling. That's what yeah. it would be. Absolutely Do you know what I compare um, what Speed and, and Arshan Roberts did um, very well is similar to what they do in the England cricket. Um, and obviously, people forget that it's the English and Welsh cricket board, it's just called England and blah, blah, mm. blah. But what they do is obviously they've got a lot of players who are New Zealand born or. Australia born or whatever it may be but whenever they come in even if they don't come in young a lot of they do try to get them in young into the county system and the so that by the time they get selected for the national team they're fully embedded into the English game and and the county game but also they know what it means to play for the country and you quite find that a lot of them who were you know born in New Zealand or Australia or whatever South Africa they've all got like England tattoos because they're so ingrained in it, yeah. It's, it's it's kind of you know, and they and they have got um, you know English or Welsh families, whether it's mm. their parents or whatever it may be. But you're right. What instead of just bringing them in like Bobby Gould did, like Vinnie Jones, you know, was coming to the end of his career, I think, pretty much. Um, Andrew Johnson, as as Bristol as they come, mm. had no real affinity to Wales. I'm sure no. he wanted to win football matches when he played, but. But when it comes down to it, he didn't feel Welsh. And I'm sure he would openly say that. Yeah. yeah. Said. Whereas if you bring guys in to the youth setup, and not only are they playing, you know, in the tournaments and the qualifications and all this sort of thing, but they're also kind of learning about what it means to 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 play for Wales. And I think by the time then they do, you know, come to the sort of the first team. They are fully in, fully embedded into it, and they've mm. they've bought into it. It makes it sound like a cult, doesn't it? But like, well, but like, they're, like it's the it understanding. It's the understanding of the history and, and and of the people and the place that you're representing. And like, you know, um, some some of their parents. So uh, you know, like Ethan Ampadu's mum is is Welsh, and he goes back to Swansea. He's still got family there and all that kind of stuff. So you can, you know, you can get that very easily and. Dave, David Brooks talks about his his mum's 
side of the family, which which was very Welsh, and where you'd always go on his holidays and visiting. And you, so you get those kids, and they are, you know, they feel 50-50, and and they feel an affinity with Wales and 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 their family. But then you also get sort of the grandparents of kids who may be born on in and around the borders and things like that. And it's, um, you know, and, and so it's it, to get them in at that younger age and to get them in. And there's a guy called Cled Ashwin who is. Uh, absolutely underrated welsh football hero uh i i long to do his book or something like that. i'm sure at some point i try and try and do something with claire because he he's just he was for god god knows how many years but certainly uh from around about 2005 and anybody in flincher will know him inside out and he was the what did they call him? He was like the educational master. So he was brought in at around about the 16s, under 16s uh, era, uh, age groups. And he was the one who would teach them how to rap in Welsh. So he rap the Welsh national anthem and he, get, he gets all the song sheets so they can there, they can rap the national anthem so they know how to sing it, they know how to do it. So at every age group they're going through, they've got this and he does, like within their camps under 16, he's doing Welsh history lessons. Like seriously, these kids are coming in. They're doing Welsh history lessons. They're not just playing football. They're learning about the nature and the country and the people and the values and, uh, and what it means to people to play for Wales, which is so important. And 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 that's why these kids stay. And and it's fascinating that Oshan Roberts, the way he wanted it to see, he said, "Look, these kids can come in, and I'm happy for them to go to any of their other nations that they're qualified for. Go there, try it out." I'm confident they'll come back. Uh, it happened to Ethan Ampadir. It happened to Brennan Johnson. It happened to Nico Williams. No, actually, it didn't happen to Nico Williams. Sorry. Uh, it happened to Ben Woodburn, although poor old Ben's gone off the boil a bit. But, you know, these kids have gone out there. They're wanted by England or they're wanted by other countries. And they've gone out there, tried it, and decided on Wales. And they've decided. That's the important bit. Yeah, and I think they, when it's their decision, they don't, and they don't feel like they've been pressured into it because, oh, well, you, we've got to make you've got to make your debut in this game because then you're, you've made you know, you've made your choice mm. or whatever, and that's it. If they don't feel that pressure, they're more likely to, to buy into it. And yeah. the other thing I was going to say is that when you look at the the Welsh, the Welsh team now, um, just very quickly, is you know they're not all born in in Wales. Um, but they all know the national anthem. They all sing it um, louder and prouder than any team, any Welsh team that I remember, you know, over the years. Um, and that is buying in. That's buying into the whole, uh, the team, the the country, the the representing the country. And uh, to be fair, Will says in the comments, uh, he says, "Give Vinnie Jones his credit. Um, he learned the national anthem in an era where yeah. not many players did." Yeah, and I'm yeah, pretty sure he's got a Welsh tattoo as well. So. He has, right. yeah, he's got a Welsh tattoo. Bring him yeah, back, no, fair, get him in the coaching staff. Play to him. Yeah, get him in the coaching staff for the World Cup. That's what I say. Vinnie yeah. Jones. So, um, <laughs> anyway, all right. So, so Gary Speed came in. Um, oh, that's what I was going to ask you. I think someone mentioned it earlier, just very quickly before we kind of dig into the Gary Speed um part of it. There's a there's an interesting quote. Sorry, sorry, to interrupt. There's um, uh, I think it's oh, I'm who's said about Vinnie Jones voted to be captain by his teammates. Uh, Gold had a vote when he all counted. Now, it's my understanding. I can remember, I think it was Southall who was saying, telling this story. And so Bobby had decided to strip him in a captaincy and give it to somebody else. 
then had got so scared by the way that Jones was looking at him that decided not to take it off him. <laughs> he called a team meeting and halfway through the team meeting bottled it and just kept him as captain. Which I thought was hilarious. Story. I think Bobby Gould should get a right reply. In my documentary, anyway, sorry, we're going off. Yeah. I'm sorry. Bobby Gould documentary has to. We should go. do a Bobby Gould session on here. I think. Yeah. <laughs> See if we can get the man, the man himself, to join us and straighten out all the these. Gould stories. father. Yeah, mm. absolutely. Do it, do it, mate. Do you know? Um, so, um, someone had said earlier on in the chat about um, in the Tosh era, just quickly, was mm. that he made Brian Flynn. He made me. He, he yes. was in. Brian Flynn was in charge of not just the twenty ones, but all of the kind of youth teams or the the different age groups i'm sure he had you know people who would run them individually but he was generally in charge of it wasn't he i mean it was it, let's let's be honest about this it was partly because the faw didn't have any money to employ anybody else so they just put flynn in charge of like the at the age groups. Also, there wasn't there wasn't so now we've got in the in the you know this is again where it's changed in terms of the night and day between um uh, the, the the levels of, of which the FAW are investing in their international football as well, because I think you've got now you've got obviously the 15s, which is uh, the the sort of the the age grade they sort of start coming into. Actually, you've got the 14s, which is regional squads, and you've got 15s. Then they go into the 16s, which play the Victory Shield. Then they go into 17s, 19s, 21s and full team and last year the FAW then introduced an under 18s team as well that Matty Jones uh, another one of those ex uh, leads and uh, yes, Kevin, uh, with Kev um, good mate no, he him. yeah oh, he was an awesome player with Matty unfortunately sort of um, robbed of his career by injury mm. unfortunately but yeah that um, uh, that uh, that that, um, that 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 putting in under 18 so you can see the investment that the FAW were making now back in the day it was literally you've got the under 16s I'm pretty sure you might have got the under 18s and then you had the under 21s and I think the only the 18s were only just in there so you only had those sort of three teams that they would invest in mm. and so therefore again being a small nation those players got pushed up through quickly with the 21s god we used to be bloody awful absolutely dreadful at youth football and uh, and that was part of the reason why because there was not enough investment there but you're right flinny whoever brought it up in the comments absolutely right flinny used to run the sort of 21s and the 18s and possibly even the 16s he may well have i, I can't quite remember that off the top of my head but um but yeah he, he, he and he was sensational and he was sensational he started winning games started actually winning games and and producing players so flynn Brilliant and a master stroke by Toshak to bring him in. Indeed. Um, so sorry, we skipped back a little bit. Um, we did. Um, so Gary Speed, we talked a bit about his impact kind of yeah. off the pitch. Um, and one of the other things I think which he he invested at some time and, and certainly brought into the Welsh setup, which I think uh, would have been another positive for those players, was things like sports science and stuff like that. Updated the the kind of facilities that was being used and yeah um i think that makes a difference doesn't it it's like you know when you think back to like roy Keane and ireland and the mick mccarthy where he left the world cup a big part of that was kind of the the training facilities and things like that and i'd imagine that pre gary speed the wales you know situation was very similar i would imagine mm. um in terms of training facilities and stuff like that um why do you think 
on the pitch, it changed so drastically. And not necessarily uh, results-wise instantly. I mean, I think these res- the results were pretty quick turnaround in terms of the positivity about them. But why yeah. do you think that those everything improved so drastically? I think it was the performances, first and foremost, that improved, improved first. And it gave everybody a lift. First of all, it, it gave everybody a lift because speed came in and, you know, what an absolute, you know, he could talk to the press, the media loved him. And he was that type of bloke that, you know, just held a presence in there. And um, I can, I can sort of remember him, him at that point talking the talk and being able to, to be able to sort of lift the whole nation, if you like. And he brought Aaron Ramsey in as captain, didn't he? Which I think yes. everyone thought, wow, he's 20 years old and bringing Ramsey in as captain. And you could just see the mentality shift. You saw the style of play shift. And uh, and these players were suddenly, you know, if, although the results didn't go like that, you know, but it was... It was a it was a performances as you were watching it going. This is a young side. This is a young side going places, and this is what a future we've got with these kids, and um, and they're only going to get better as well. Uh, and I suppose again, that's the that's the Toshak legacy, isn't it? You know, he talked way back in those days of having players on hundred caps. You know, knocking between fifty and hundred caps, and how few players we actually had doing that. And then it was going to be putting you know and that's why he started them so young so that they would have those amount of caps and speed was was just kind of building on that on that legacy if you like but he was putting that very modern very premier league or his own style onto that pitch and that swagger and you know i think it was norway wasn't it we battered in, in the last game before before his passing and uh, and i can remember coming away from that just thinking wow what a team we've got here we are it was exciting, wasn't it? Oh, it was, it was the so first exciting. time. In, it was exciting in a, decade, to be a in a decade or so. It was it was really exciting. Uh and then yeah. But yeah, sorry, before we get onto that, yeah, you're right, the facilities. And I think that was again and I keep coming back to Washan as well because I think it's really important that we remember that, yes. that Speed was was the front man and doing all this, but behind the scenes, Washan was really trying to um, you know drag the uh, drag the FAW into the twenty first century, um, kicking and screaming. And it, yeah, kicking and screaming, and and, and also um, Jonathan Ford also coming in to sort of professionalise behind the scenes and uh, plenty that Jonathan Ford. Um, you know, arguable about what he did in in the long run and all that kind of stuff, but actually, he he kind of really really led from that as well, and and that was that was really important. So he also um, sorry, uh, Craig right, just mate. said in the chat, and he's reminding me. Um, of course, Gary Speed brought in Dutch Ray as well, didn't he? Um, with Arshan <laughs> Roberts, who Dutch you know, Ray. He, I think he followed. Uh, he went with Bellamy, didn't he? To a, uh, I think he came to Cardiff as well for a bit as Bellamy's personal. Uh, fitness coach, if my memory mm. serves me correctly. Um, but I mean, whilst you know, whatever, but I know people have got mixed opinions of um, of Dutch Ray, but um, the yeah. job he did for Wales was good. Um, he just, but as part of that team, he did a very, very good job. Maybe Raymond, what happened, Raymond, like Raymond his, uh, behind it? Behind yeah, it? something like that. It was definitely okay. begun with V. The, yeah, he was bon- <laughs> he was bonkers. He was yeah. He was absolutely bonkers. But uh, I'm an I'm an I uh, see I'm an advocate of um, these 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 people within football 
like him, like mm. um, Bielsa. Yeah, they're, they're crackers. Like, they're, they're really eccentric characters. And quite often, these types of characters, in terms of coaching and managing and being a part of a football club off the pitch, I think you can get magic out of them for short periods of time if they've got a team around them or a person above them who can kind of rein them in a little bit and and manage them a little bit. And, you know, quite often it doesn't work long term. And I think arguably you could say that would be also with Leeds. It was incredible for a couple of seasons, but eventually it went wrong. Yeah, Um, Dutch Ray was really good under speed and and with Oshan Roberts. Um, and unfortunately, it was the kind of Not so aftermath good where it went, yeah, where it went a bit yeah. wrong. Um, and do you know the other thing with them, with Gary Speed and, and Wales, is it's easy to forget that we didn't even get a full year of yeah, Gary Speed, but it feels like so much longer because of mm. the impact that he had on like Welsh football on on, on everything on and off the pitch. So you feel like he had like a couple of years in charge, but then mm. it's only when you kind of really think about it. Actually, he took over in I think it was the December of two thousand and ten, um, and then he had passed away by the no following November. Um, it's yeah, it's 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 so awful, so awful. Yeah, and I mean, who could have? Um, oh, sorry. Just before we kind of touch on that, I wanted to ask you about because. Um, Oh look, go on. This is a bit later, so we'll kind of go with it. Like, you wouldn't have blamed the all the the players, the managers, the people within the Welsh FA. Um, you wouldn't have blamed any of them if they had walked away after Gary Speed's passing. Any of them, and I mean, you know, the the players who were close to him, the players who just you know knew him as a coach, or the people who'd worked with him within the the Welsh FA, because he got so much done both on and off the pitch. So mm. the people within the Welsh FA would have worked so closely with him to change those things. Oshan Roberts, people like this. Like, if they had said, look, it's too much for me. I'm going to, you know, I can't do this. I need to walk away. You, Nobody, or certainly no one who's, you know, a, a human being would have said mm. anything negative about that. But I mean, I think it's a tremendous credit to everybody involved that not only did they, you know, keep turning up, keep carrying on from a football point of view, I, of course, I'm kind of trying to focus on, but from a humane point of view as well, obviously, but they, they, they not only kept turning up, yeah, but they carried on what he had put in place and then eventually evolved, you know, kept evolving. Mm. Um, and it, you know, there were some missteps along the way. Um, it's it's such a difficult one, but it's, and I, I think especially for for some of the older players in the squad, but also like I, first of all, I was saying you know especially for some of those older players because they would have played with him and you know like Bellamy was obviously very close with him and stuff like that. Well, but I also think... Aaron Ramsey as well. Yeah, you know he was he was only twenty, so he, he didn't play with him, but he would have had a very close relationship with him. He made him his captain ahead of. You know the likes of Bellamy and Giggs and whoever else. Um, do you remember 
where you were when you found out like that Gary Speed had passed away? Yeah, I was um uh, by this point I had moved to London and I was working up at um Sky News Radio uh, at that point and mm. I was driving to play in a Sunday league game on uh, on a Sunday morning and it came through on the radio and uh yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't believe it. I didn't. No, no. Ages yeah. afterwards. Couldn't but... believe it. Couldn't believe it. Do you know we? The, I tell you, the mark of the man, right? So in our side, we had a right old mixture of of fans from all different clubs. We had a couple of Leeds Leeds fans who who were obviously like you know completely gutted, and we had it. And both teams, both teams just went like should have a minute silence. So we just had a minute mm. silence just just for that. And I was literally you'd only heard the news sort of an hour and a yeah. half before but that was the mark of the yeah the mark of it really and yeah it, was, it just it did feel really weird it didn't didn't feel i suppose properly real until i got home and was sort of watching match of the day and listening on the news and all that kind of stuff and uh yeah and i don't know what you mean about the players i can understand what, what you're saying and i think they were completely you know i think everybody was completely heartbroken that was it was up there in, in terms of the faw but I mean, don't don't forget, it was his. Uh, it was like his best mate who came in to be manager. So his best mate, yeah, had to come in, suffering the loss, and probably you know sat in on his dream job. And his dream dream job was also his nightmare job at that point. And yeah, and must have been like, you know, you know, we all saw what what Chris Coleman's all about, didn't we? Later mm. on in, in his managerial, and we really saw the sort of the Chris Coleman that we all came to love in 2016 and beyond. And um, and it was, uh, yeah, for him to come in and have to do that and pick up the pieces, those players must have been absolutely heartbroken, absolutely heartbroken. Um, and uh, and yeah, and 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 without a Ramsey, who had obviously suffered his, his terrible injuries and yes. all these kind of things, and so yeah, like. I I I can understand why um, Coleman had the attitude and the resentment that he had for certain members of the Welsh press who treated him like he was any other football manager. They they were like he's losing games and it's not happening and he's a man, he, he's got to go he's you know he's not taking his team anywhere and it's like. God, hang on a second. Like this, mm. this man has taken over in a, in, in a position that, that nobody, nobody could has ever had to take over a football team at international level that I'm, that I'm aware of in this situation where almost a national hero is, has passed away in such such tragic circumstances at such a ridiculously young age of life. And, and for Coleman to have to go through that and manage those players through it and try and win football games, which probably felt like the least important thing of the, the entire lot, but also... You know, he kept building and he kept trying, and 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 the stability, I think, off the pitch with Oshan and and what have you, I think, really helped the situation. Um, and uh, and yeah, yeah, I, you know, obviously something amazing grew out of that. But those first two three years after after Speedo, God, it must have been it must have been awful. It must have been awful and, for the players. And the thing is, um, he would have been managing like trying to keep them going and, mm -hmm. and helping them because they're heartbroken and they're struggling and they would have been have you know they would have been finding it difficult to come on mm -hmm. to come to Wales duty and things like that. 
but he was also grieving his, you know, his, yeah. one of his best mates. And hundred percent, hundred percent. I think Will uh, Will put that in the comments, hasn't he? About, hmm. and he? And he's absolutely right. Yeah, he, he would have been grieving himself during that period. Um, so. Ah, yeah, and 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 it, and it hit that fan base. The fan base was grieving. <laughs> like yeah. uh, that, that sounds that might sound a bit trite, but but genuinely, I think I genuinely think think it was. And uh, and the play, players there, and and people that would come and watch, and suddenly that that all that hope had sort of disappeared, and uh, mm. and things bigger than football had taken over. It was, um, yeah, it was a very strange period. Very very strange period, and uh, it was a tough one. It was indeed. And I mean, in between sort of, so you, Coleman struggled at first and, mm. and I think the Welsh media didn't always give him no. uh, the understanding perhaps that he deserved. But also it was only when he said, do you know what? I am carrying on from Gary Speed, but if I'm going to go out, you know, if I'm going to get fired, then I'll get fired doing what yeah. I want to do, not trying to continue doing what someone else was doing, if that makes sense. Mm. And I think um, to a certain to a certain degree, I think uh, Ryan Giggs falls into the same trap a few years later for his first sort of year or so, tried to carry on what Coleman was doing rather than mm. implementing what he did, which we'll talk about in just a sec. Yeah. Um, I just want to touch very quickly on the 2012 mm. Summer Olympics. Um, <laughs> yeah, the Great Britain team would qualify as uh, as uh, you know the host nation. The FAW was against the uh, proposal of a of a British team because it was I think it was it was kind of always against it because the fear was that somehow FIFA would say you know Wales is such a small nation they should just you know just have a UK side or a, whatever it may be. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't think realistically that would have ever happened. I don't think. I'd like to think, no. but you yeah. never know, I guess. Never know, um, do you? But Anne Ramsey and Gareth Bale uh, expressed an interest in representing the squad. Gareth Bale withdrew uh, through injury. His back was hurting him. So, um, you know, got a bad back. Can't play football. Nope, absolutely not. But uh, Aaron uh, was joined by four other Welshmen in Stuart Pearce's 18-man squad. Joe Allen, Neil Taylor, Ryan Giggs and Craig Bellamy as the overage players. Giggs was captain. Do you think, um, or should I say, what is your opinion of a Great Britain team for the Olympics? Are you for or against? If it was purely for the Olympics and there was no danger to... Wales as a footballing nation, whether it be through funding or generally as a team, like, and it was a purely Olympic thing every four years or whatever, they get together, they have a Great Britain side. It all sounds, um, it all sounds great in, um, in theory. Um, but, uh, I, I do think there's a danger, uh, that, that, because I think UEFA are, are, are genuinely, you know, they would quite happily see the four nations go as a as a UK team or a Great Britain team, um, uh, because it's you know they, there's four of the on IFAB, which is the governing body. There are only eight seats, four of which are taken up by the home nations. You know, That's so true. then the likes of Brazil and Germany and Argentina all have to take their turns in coming round in the other four seats, but Britain. Just stays as four, so which 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 must really 
piss other people off, mustn't it? Like, you know. Oh, God, yeah. And when you think of it from that point of view, you can understand why the people within the Welsh FA and the the Scottish FA, why they're worried. Because they know... English FA either, do they? Bloody hell. They call themselves the FA. They don't even call themselves the English FA. That's the FA. I mean, like, come on. I just think that, yeah, I think I think football should not be at the Olympics. I think that's that's interesting. Complete. I I think it's a bit of a farce. I I, and and then I'll caveat that by saying, actually, I understand why women's football should be at the Olympics because it gives them a platform to be able to show to show off the game. It gives them a platform for for female players to play at the highest level. Men's men's football is way beyond the olympics now it does not need the olympics i mean Mm -hmm. they're talking about players having far too much um the they have far too much uh uh, far too many games as it is so so why crowbar the olympics in there anyway which is essentially an under 23 tournament we don't need it as, as britain we don't need a team there and and you see what happens with hockey and you see what happens with these other sports who come together and play under the Great Britain flag. England rule it, and the rest have a couple of players chucked in. Yeah. Uh, what's the point? What is the point? Yeah. I don't see the point in it. Um, oh, I kind of. Oh, I know. <laughs> well, I've got oh, some feelings I, I, on the subject. No, no. But I, oh, I, I agree with you. Yeah. He said, I'm completely against football at the Olympics. Um, yeah. But World Cup football, right. leave it for other sports. However, um, where's it gone? Someone just made a really good point. Uh, oh, Will said totally fine for a GB side, but what about if it was uh, genuinely amateurs and not professional? But I like see that. I think is not an idea because no. do you know what? What you could what could come of that is players who are under twenty three who are not being picked up by clubs and so, and so is that uh, so is that for will is that like the Cymru leagues and the non leagues in england so like conference down and all that kind of stuff and, yeah and, i think and the highland right, leagues and then they sort of come together and so anybody you get the like best of the best of those and i suppose yeah. what you get from that is, is what you're potentially what you can get from that is you could have football clubs or these guys could yeah, potentially platform, have a yeah, like a like a last chance saloon sort of thing. Because I'm sure there's many a quality footballer in these lower leagues and the Sunday leagues who've, you know, for whatever reason got dropped at sixteen yeah. and just played. I don't know. I, don't know. I just I just think football football has enough, doesn't it? I think Yeah, there's more games. You know, get let out Get let the Olympics be about athletics and swimming and sports that we've never even heard of that we all get mm-hmm. excited over curling once every four years or again you know we all, we all become dressage bloody experts and handball experts and things like that and yeah I don't, I don't know I don't know I just think football should be shouldn't be in there yeah I I, I could see that point of view for sure um, so Chris Coleman we talked about the difficulties um, yeah. that he sort of had within just the general job um that first year also didn't go well they lost their first match 2-0 the second match against serbia was 6-1 um i think they holland i think it was or germany someone 7-1 and they, they had a lot of heavy defeats um and then in the october ashley williams was made captain but Aaron ramsey like you mentioned had had that uh very serious leg break which actually i think went on to not only affect him, you know, over that 
year or so period of recovery. I think it affected him long term as well. Mm. And um, I had this conversation with someone the other day. Uh, it was on my father-in-law actually, and I I actually think if Aaron Ramsey doesn't break his leg, he goes on to be one of the best midfielders in Europe for the remainder of his career. But that that injury just left him with constant niggling injuries where I think he's possibly only had like maybe one or two seasons where he's played, you know, like good number of games, yeah. games in a season, which is, it's really sad because every time he, he gets a run of games together or every time you see him play for Wales, you see his quality and you see just how special a footballer he is. Yeah. Um, and look, you know, he's, he's had a great career even so, but I mean, those, uh, those niggling injuries, have probably, and I say you know, it's from the outside, obviously, and it's just my point of view, but I think they probably cost him um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, they probably cost him like elite level status from in terms of see where you uh, I can see what you mean. I can see what you mean. Well, his abilities there, but his, yeah. his fitness is just not quite, yeah, there. Um, appointing Ashley Williams as the captain was that the start of Chris Coleman's kind of revival and him doing it his way yeah I, I, think it with so. I think so i think he yeah it was it was that i think off the field he brought in kit simons he brought his mate in to alongside him to to uh that really helped out and, and and got him coaching oshan was kind of promoted into the into the ranks as an assistant to start with um and uh and and so they had that core at the team and then Ashley Williams, he had his captain on the pitch. He sort of decided to go a little bit more defensive. Um, he managed to pick up James Chester from somewhere um, and, and that really helped. And, and, and he went, right, Josh, look, I've got bloody this player who was unbelievable in Gareth Bale. I need him on the pitch, getting on the ball, but I need to give him a really solid defence and backline and midfield and structure and then just let him go and uh, and that's what he did and that's what he did and you know we, we we just got that superb kind of um bond and you just saw it growing didn't you with the confidence in the players and uh two I was, scotland um, games weren't it? which um, yeah it was you really it was. saw the that bond it's almost explode onto the pitch mm. and i think in one of those games bale scores quite a late winner and uh, yeah, um, joyous, was, joyous. That was at yes, Cardiff City Stadium. Special. It was a game at Cardiff City Stadium, and um, uh, and obviously the Scots. There were loads of Scots down in the stadium that day as well. And I was kind of my my position was right behind the ball where Bayo struck it into the top corner. So, and uh, it was Charlie Adam who'd been a little bit of a soddle game, and uh, and he'd fouled Bayo and, and just got into a position where he thought, yeah, okay, he stopped that attack. You know, I interrupted another attack and then Bale picks it up, takes a couple of touches, skins Adams and smashes it in the top corner. What a goal in the rain. Poured down as well. So that was pretty special. And then the away game um, at Hamden as well. That was the one that will live with me. And I, and and on the pitch, Bale was ill. So he came off at halftime. We dug out the result. Hal robson Carnu um, headed the winner. Really iconic photo he's up in the air he's miles off the ground snow's coming down and he's headed the ball in sensational and uh but the way we played that night was magnificent we absolutely battered scotland battered them and i know it was only 2-1 and 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 
you know, the result was in it, but we battered them in the snow that night and we came off the pitch. And so I was working the game uh, as a journalist there. And there was two things that sort of stood out to me that night. One, I found macaroni cheese pies. Who the bloody hell puts macaroni, cheese macaroni inside a short crust pastry pie? I don't know, but that doesn't sound good. That, mate, it was sensational. Honest oh, to God, to if you ever get the chance to try a macaroni cheese pie. But then the, 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 the other great thing was after the game, Craig Bellamy comes into the mix zone and he's got tears in his eyes, right? He, he is a, you know, he's a hugely emotional guy anyway, Craig. Um, sometimes, sometimes really good, sometimes... Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes not not you know it, it, it fires up in the wrong way but he had he had tears in his eyes and he goes i tell you what this team this team will go places this team i'm telling you now this team if they play like that they've set a mark they've set a standard they if they play like that and they turn up and they play in that manner with that focus they've got the ability to go places real places that Wales Welsh football has never been before and I can always remember standing there thinking, like, and he and he was there going, "I won't be here to see it. Be, I'll be gone. I'll be gone. It was, it was, my time has come and gone." But but I'm telling you that this team is going places. And it was like, wow, and that just stuck with me. That that night stuck with me over the next few years, and um, and still now I still think back to it. And like he could see it, they could see it and feel it in the change rooms. They could feel it, see it and feel it before we got to got to see it, and. Um, yeah, it was, it was that, and and no, Craig. They weren't battered. They weren't. They were just beautiful, mm. soft crust pastry, short crust pastry kind of pies. It's like um, it was like a wave, though, wasn't it? It was mm. that was the beginning, and those Scotland yeah. games in particular. Um, we lost to Croatia twice, so we didn't qualify from that group. But by the end of that qualifying period, there was a a change in. So you know, like when Gary Speed passed away, all that mm. you, you said it perfectly yourself um, a few minutes back. You said all that hope had yeah. kind of gone, and I just feel like that—that's the two Scotland games, but particularly the second Scotland game—that you could you could feel like this just wave of um, optimism again, mm. and 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 suddenly it was almost like everyone. Oh yeah, remember we got all these young players who have been. You know, playing foot- Welsh football for five years now, or whatever it was. Um, these are experienced but young footballers who are all playing, you know, Premier League and Championship football. We're we're not as bad as we once were. Um, Wales qualified for Euro two thousand and sixteen. Um, it's such a weird thing. Uh, we had who was it? Who we had in? Um, I think it might have been Kev, actually, Kevin Evans, when we were mm. in at Eat Sleep Media the other week, wasn't it? And um, he said, like, his kids, they don't understand what all the fuss is about <laughs> because, you know, they've qualified for two Euros and now World yeah. Cup. They're used to it. It's like, what are you all moaning about? But, like, I remember, like, when we qualified for those Euros in 2000, and, would have been 2015 probably, but 2016 Euros, like, I just remember not quite being able to believe it even after we'd qualified it was like this yeah i, I just don't understand like i'm so used to failing <laughs> at the, this mean now? The last hurdle. <laughs> like, what, what do we do now and yeah and the trip to france but like talk to me a little bit about that kind of that qualifying period for the euros in 2016 mm. 
um, really testing your memory now, mate. And uh, oh, yeah, that's, all right. that's all right. I can remember uh, it. It was um, it was a slow build, wasn't it? As I, as I remember, yes, it was. we had the Andorra game, which which we all remember <laughs> was uh, was pretty tough and. And it's arguable that Bale doesn't stick that free kick away, and then Coleman doesn't doesn't even get to the end of the year as Wales manager because for all the goodwill and and you know I I defended him, you know obviously just not just now and and talked that he wasn't given he wasn't given the support at the start, but there does come a point further down the line where you're going like. Well, okay, stabilizes the ship. He's got them going, so but maybe somebody needs to take it to the next level. So they beat Andorra, um, and 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 that kind of that starts a little something. And then it was the home games, wasn't it? And it was Bosnia, and we got that nil-nil draw against Bosnia. And I tell you what, you could see the battle and the heart that went into that. Really, really went into that. And I thought. Uh, for me, that was such a great performance. Uh, then we had the Cyprus game, wasn't it? It was a real kind of, it was real. We played really well for 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 a good good bit of time in that game. I think we had a sending off against Bosnia, didn't we? Did we have a sending off against Cyprus uh, as well? I definitely had one against Bosnia. Um, we definitely had a sending off against Bosnia, didn't we? And then we were winning. We were cruising because we were absolutely superb for about twenty minutes against Cyprus. And then, and then I've got a feeling we, we can see the daft goal. I, 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 is there a sending off? I can't quite remember. But then I can just remember us being like oh, hanging on at the end and the relief when we actually kind of got over the line there. And then all of a sudden you were like going, oh, hang on a second. Yeah, we've got some, yeah, got some points on board here. You know, and then there was that. Then it got to, uh, got to that Israel away game. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, it just all came together. And I still say, I think that's one of the, possibly the best away performance. Um, uh, yeah, if you go from the, the, the Coleman era, say, 20, say for the last decade, 2012 to 2022, I would say that away performance against, uh, against Israel was sensational. There you go, Will. You got it. You got it. 3 0. And it was. They were lucky at 3-0. They were lucky because we were that good. We were that good. Defensively, like we just stood up and absolutely nailed them. We nailed them and didn't give them an inch. Going forward, Ramsey was sensational. And uh, and Bale obviously was Bale. And it was just, yeah, it it that was just, that was a an indicator of the type of performances which were to come in 2016. Uh, and I think at that moment, suddenly the momentum we had was was magnificent it was it was going to be it was going to take a lot to stop us but obviously we had the uh, belgium to come at home didn't we and uh yes, it was all kind of building up to that which was uh, what a night what a night yes it was um it was incredible and i just remember um during that period like as the as you were all like there's that cliche of take each game as it comes mm. but it was literally like it wasn't just take each game as it comes you were counting down because we'd, I think, because we'd finally got off to a good start in the qualifying, mm. um, you know, in the qualifiers, like which was rare. So suddenly you <laughs> found yourself after a few games and you're like, hang yeah. on a minute, you know, looking at the fixtures, you're getting your calculators out and you're thinking, oh, if we, you know, if we can get some points here and there and we yeah, do this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. then it was just like each game. I was like a cup final. Each game was like a cup final. Grinding out these results. Yeah. 
and the excitement would grow. You go back to your calculations, and when you you look at that side and you looked at what we had, and I know it wasn't, you know, we still as 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 a Welsh side, we really still had those players who would come in and you fitting them in and around like David Cottrell would come in and have to play a game and and what have you and and, and we still had that but we had everybody turning up for the squads Coleman had them now he now had them turning up game in game out international window in international window out very few pull outs certainly no pull outs that you would end up going to question but you know the odd injury which is just natural but yeah the players were there uh, and they wanted to play. And when you look at that back three that we have with Chester and Williams in there and Davis, superb. Uh, that was a, like, what a back three that was. And then you go into the wing backs, and that was arguably the weakest weaker points of the team, I suppose, with uh, with Guns and uh, and uh, and Neil Taylor, but both very very able, and both very very uh, capable of playing the, how Coleman wanted them to play. Um, in, in the midfield, Joe Ledley, he was like, you know, a top level, top level midfielder alongside Joe Allen, who was at, at, uh, at Liverpool at that point. And then you had the likes of, uh, or not Liverpool at that point, sorry, at Swansea, but, but really talented young player coming through. And suddenly you had all these guys who were actually kind of top level players. Um, and they were just they were just coming to the boil at the front time. And that, that night at the Cardiff City Stadium against Belgium, I know we ground out the draw away, and we, uh, at their place, but the noise that night was magnificent. That was where we saw the type of type of uh, atmosphere at the Cardiff City Stadium that we see game in, game out now. Um, and, and there we'd just seen it flitting, flitting in and out for certain 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 games like the uh, the bosnia game and the uh, the game against um uh cyprus uh, and the sort of relief in getting over the line but yeah that 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 belgium game was something special and bail just just being bail just being bail i was um i was just having a quick look back through that qualifying uh the period because i was trying to work out if we had lost any games at all in that run into the qualification because i had in the back of my head that we had lost no one no no we didn't lose we didn't lose until unreal we needed to bloody qualify (laughs) yeah (laughs) <laughs> and then to see that that i know i've got am i leaving that's forward the most welsh thing ever leaving, though isn't it yeah am i leaving forward too quickly now do we need to go over the uh... no 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 we don't need to go oh, over, okay, like, so... every, every single game like it's just just it's that like that belgium that belgium game was the point i think for everyone yeah. where we were like right okay this is happening get yeah. on board yeah 100 uh, but and once we won that actually i was like totally confident pretty, we were gonna yeah. go through and, and qualify because you looked at the points and you thought we would really, really have to balls it up from here to, to not qualify. Especially when you considered that we'd outplayed Israel already at yeah. their place and we had Cyprus. That was a huge they were the next yeah. two games. So it was yeah. like And the Cyprus game was again, it was just again, wasn't it? It was it was exactly what this team was about. It wasn't a great performance, bobbly old pitch. Sweltering mm-hmm. hot conditions. We got ragingly drunk for several days. I'm talking about the fans, not the players, thankfully. Yeah. Uh, and then, uh, and we'll have pool parties in uh, Ionapa and things like that. And uh, it was, it was absolutely superb. And um, and then the game came and it was dreadful. 
and we just dug in and we didn't concede and we didn't really create and then all of a sudden jazz richards i think it was popped up with the cross for dale and bang we were going we were going to the euros and then it was the biggest anti-climax against bloody israel wasn't it oh, good God. Uh, everybody rocked up for a party for a big promotion party we are gonna do it and no, no. it was the most god-awful goalless draw ever <laughs> and i just went when i know that the, the, the cyprus performance i kind of got because we were away from home and we had to yes. dig in and all that kind of stuff and uh and israel just just came to defend on the edge of their area i was so disappointed i thought they might have come come at us to try and nick it but um but they didn't they just sat and we sat and just nothing really happened for 90 minutes did it and no it was a dreadful dreadful game on that and then really, obviously we yeah. played, we lost to uh to bosnia 2-0 yeah yeah um, yeah and qualified <laughs> and qualified yeah so that's like where, where were you when, when that happened? Thing. What, what were you what were you up to that night I believe I was in the pub because I remember that I'm trying to think because the, la the last few games became a bit of a blur mm. in terms of like home go away pub and it was just like I say it was building so like in between each international break for the first time ever I was looking forward to the next international break Whereas for so long, the international break had always been like almost like a an inconvenience, and then all of a sudden I found myself clinging to like look into these dates and like oh my god, right when's the next international break? Oh, why isn't it closer? Why isn't there more international breaks? But, <laughs> but like it was yeah. unbelievable, and I just uh, yeah, God, sorry, I'll never forget it. I just um, it was a very very emotional time. Um, mm. And we'll talk about the World Cup now in a minute, but like, so for the for the Euros for Euro 2016 when we qualified, I was I was emotional, but I was like, thank God for that. Like it was like a like a like a, just a massive, huge relief. Mm. But I also think because the build up was like win after win after win after win, it was almost like a like you said, I suppose if we if we had balls it up it would have been the most Welsh thing ever, but it was like with every win, it would have been, it was becoming more difficult to, to mess up basically. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it really was. Uh, until it, uh, and, and so that game uh, against Bosnia, right. So I didn't get to go out to it, which I was really gutted about. Uh, to Nietzsche. Um, so as I, they, they've got to do it this time. And I know we still had the game at home, didn't we, against Andorra to go, where we could have just, you know, we even if we'd lost against Bosnia, we could still beat Andorra at home and qualify. Um, and uh, and I think it was Wales were playing Australia, maybe, in the afternoon in the rugby. And so I live in Chepstow, so, you know, it's like, yeah, it's like border town in it, so mm. not uh, as many English out and about as Welsh and the rugby was on in the afternoon and everybody was pissed in the pub and I thought I'll get downtown and watch the game and uh, and it was oh it was such an anti-climax because <laughs> obviously we mm -hmm. lost the pub was barely interested in the game because they'd been smashed all day watching the rugby and I was kind of watching it and we qualified <laughs> I was like oh no one here to share this moment with. <laughs> Maybe I'd gone out with for a couple of beers and a couple of other people who were semi-interested. 
I just went for a little walk. I went for a little walk just to try and get my head around it. I was like, oh, this is not how it was meant to be. Yeah. <laughs> this is not it how it was supposed to be. It's meant to be over and a big this party. This is like the moment. This is the moment I've been waiting all my life for, and I had to just go out for a little walk around Jepstow on my own. <laughs> that was it. But uh, we had to save that for the hungry hungry home game a few years mm. later when we qualified that was when we uh that was when we really the party really, then, didn't we? really had the qualification party that night well, and, and of course yeah yeah it's um it's a weird thing though right because um i talked about this a little bit the other day like i have um pre this period i had accepted that wales were never gonna make a major tournament in my lifetime mm. so i'd kind of come to terms with it it wasn't like a big deal in terms of um it was unexpected so like i just didn't i didn't get as emotional as those near misses mm. back when i was a bit younger because the, you know we were so close and and this and that like i'd kind of just you know we're, not, we're just not going to do it and mm. and then all of a sudden you found yourself <clears throat> winning game after game after game and the build up was mental and yeah and then obviously like the tournament was beyond the wildest dreams ah. itself because for me my thing before the tournament was like i don't really care where we you know what we do i would love Just to go get, get out of the group yeah get out of the group that'd be amazing <laughs> but like it was that was that was basically it, the one it was like if we can get out of the group i would be so thrilled score some goals maybe in the group stage you know just a couple happy days go and see three wales games in france and soak up this atmosphere that I never thought, you know, we never thought we'd experience. Yeah, that's it. Everyone was happy with that outlook. So what you had is you had these thousands of Welsh fans going out to France with this just relaxed attitude of we're just going to enjoy this and we're mm. going to have fun and we're going to we're going to mix with everyone and we're going to just have a few beers and sing and uh, we created the "Don't Take Me Home" song, which is now sung everywhere. At the England cricket, at the England rugby, and we started that in Euro 2016. Um, like without going bit by bit through the tournament, yeah, and stuff, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, Otherwise, we would the... go till midnight, won't we? <laughs> yeah, what? Is, yeah, exactly that. Like, is the Belgium game the special one from that tournament for you? Yeah, I think it's hard hard to argue it wasn't. I mean, there's just so there's just so many wonderful moments through it, wasn't there? You know, and you could just pick through. The answer Bordeaux, um, the, the against Bale against Slovakia, just to get things going. The Ben Davis clearance, and you just you can keep going. I know it was just wonderful. It was just an absolute dream, um, and, and a dream that you just didn't think you'd wake up from. And totally agree that 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 uh, that you know the Davis and Davis and Ramsey yellow cards cost us if not if not cost us a place in the final it cost us actually fully competing and pushing portugal all the way which i think we really really would have i don't know whether we would have won i don't know that i, I think it's too simplistic to say uh that we would have yeah. won uh because you know <laughs> they, they, had ronaldo. Ronaldo. <laughs> they had ronaldo and it's as simple as that and they had some other damn good players as well um but um but 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 I, th I think that you know the Belgian game is just special, isn't it? They're just, yeah, we just like because because we didn't scrape past them, we didn't scrape no, we did past not. them, we and we did it from behind as well. Like we locked, yeah. you know, we were one 0 down after what was it, like I think five oh, or six minutes, and what a goal, goal by the way, that goal yeah, was yeah, yeah, insane. Yeah, 
And like, we just played and we played and we played and we played and we just kept playing. And we just, it wasn't like mm-hmm. we were defending and, you know, hitting them on the break like we did at the Cardiff City Stadium and taking our chance when we had it. It was like we literally outplayed them. When Sam Vokes had a ball, Sam, like, I know, it's just wonderful goal. <laughs> wonderful goal. And always gets forgotten in amongst the uh, Hal robson Carnu stuff. So, um uh, How stressful just, yeah. though, was that game, like in terms of the chances that Belgium missed, like Fellaini misses one from Do, the you know what? You six might be... yard box. It was yeah, so yeah, true, true enough. But, you know, maybe maybe my brain actually kind of forgets those moments because I think for, for me, it was always like the complete performance. Like we never, you know, early on, obviously oh, yeah. we were rocking. I've watched but... the highlights a lot. Um, I yeah. watched them again recently, actually. And then, yeah, Belgium in the second half, they missed some, some, some big, big chances. Like Fillet, there's one Fellaini one from like literally the six yard box in the middle of the goals on his head, free yeah. header, and he puts it wide inexplicably. Um, and there's a couple of others. But look, Wales deserved that. And like yeah. that Hal Robson Carnu goal is not just a special goal for Wales. That's a goal which will be replayed every Euros. Forever, yeah. like it's one of those which will be in that you know the packages and stuff like that. Um, but again, you know, in the qualifiers, we were saying like it was just like you'd win one and then you'd win again, and it was just this momentum built. Mm. It was the same in the tournament, like you know, we lost to England, but we just kept grinding out results. Like we had a good result against Slovakia, we destroyed Russia in a bit of revenge from that playoff, and then you know, we we ground out against Northern Ireland, and it was like you just suddenly you're in the semi-finals and you were just like, what is going on? <laughs> Mental. Yeah. Like you can go through all of those games and, and you saw every inch of that side. I know a lot of people are now saying, oh, is this side better? The one that's qualified for the world cup than the 2016 one. For me, the 2016 side still beats this side just at the moment. At the moment. At, at the, the moment. moment. I think Only that this, the, the, this team has the potential to be better. But, but like that, that we had, we had Premier League warriors in our team at that point. You go through that entire yeah. starting eleven as, as our strongest eleven, then for example, and pretty much all of them are our Premier League players, bar, bar Chris Gunter, um, who, who's obviously playing at wing back because uh, Vokes at that point was playing for Burnley. Reading were a Premier League side without Robson Carney or with that sort of yo-yo. Yo-Yo team, uh, Ledley, Allen, um, obviously Ramsey and Bale. Bale in his pomp, Ramsey in his pomp, Allen in his pomp, Hennessy at the height of his powers. And you think, yeah, that you know, I, I, I think that uh, I think this team can be very, very special. Um, but uh, but it is going to take, you know, it is going to take them going through the levels as players yeah. to get to get there to get there. I just wish they play Ethan Ampadu in, in the holding midfielder role. That's my wish yeah. for the next actually, few years. Actually, Will, Will's just called me out, and he's absolutely right. How Robson Carney was unattached. Was that, yeah, absolutely he was. His, uh, his Reading contract had come to an end, and he was, mm. he was uh, looking for passages new, wasn't he, at that point? Indeed. Um, so after that tournament, yep. uh, we went into the World Cup qualifications. Everyone was on a high. And thinking, you know, is this it? Are we going to qualify for a World Cup finally for the first time in all these years? And it just didn't. It didn't happen at all. Um, Chris Coleman ends up leaving in the November 2017 to go to 
Sunderland? Sunderland. What's Sunderland? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sunderland till I die. Mm. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Amazing doc. Um, <laughs> it's a beautiful bit of uh, media. It's um, So, yeah, what I mean, why didn't it happen, like, without going through each game and all the, the rest of it? Like, what, yeah. what went wrong? Um, well, well, first of all, we became a team that uh, that everybody knew about. <laughs> we weren't a surprise. We weren't a surprise package anymore. Um, I suppose you could say. Uh, could you argue Coleman didn't change the tactics enough? Yeah, that that can that could be argued. Um, but then again, you know, <laughs> it got us where we we got to. So, uh, and, and and with the personnel he had, you couldn't see a great change. We we didn't have, we didn't have a bunch of youngsters coming through that you thought, oh yeah, we're going to change it with those. You know, like when it came to it, and and he did. You got that iconic photo in um, in Paris. You know, in his penultimate game, and there's uh, Ampadu. Woodburn and Brooks all coming on as a triple substitution, which, by the way, what a photo mm. opportunity that was for Coleman. He saw that coming, didn't he? Uh, these three boys mm -hmm. by me, three subs. Here I am ushering on the future of Welsh football. Mm -hmm. um, it was, it was uh, sensationally done. But but they were kids. They were children at that point. I know Ben Woodburn yeah. really kind of burst onto the scene to give us something. But, like, you couldn't throw them in at that point. You really couldn't. And, I, I, and so... So I don't like they were literally did. children. They were literally yeah. children. Yeah, they were like 17, 17. Yeah, and and I don't I don't see I don't see what difference they would have made. Bale unfortunately was injured. We we I think there was a stat that we barely had Alan Ramsey and Bale as our three kind of pivotal most pivotal players on the pitch. We barely had them playing together through that entire tournament. We had Bale suspended, was it, I think, for um, for the Serbia game. We had uh, Ramsey out injured for the Ireland games. Um, I, if he made one mistake, and then obviously Bale was injured, wasn't he, for the last two games against Georgia and uh, and uh, Ireland. The, the one mistake I, I think he possibly made, Coleman, and it was Ireland away in Dublin. And I think he went in too toe-to-toe with them. Mm. He tried to turn it into a big British derby. And I think he should have been cleverer. I think he should have been cleverer in that game. And Because what and, they wanted, that was, wasn't it? They, they dragged us down to the trenches. And, and, and we played up to that in terms of our physicality and how we approached that game. And um, and I think if, I, if I've got one criticism for him in that qualifying campaign, that was it. But we went to Serbia and we were brilliant out in Belgrade and I was out there for that. And we could have won that. We could have won that. We were so close to winning that. Um, and, and if we'd have won that again, you know, it finished 1-1. But, but okay. so lots of if buts and if buts and maybes. But that team should have gone Small to margins. the World Cup in 2018. It should have gone. It yes. should have gone. It, and like Craig makes a good point, it is harder to qualify for the World Cup. There's more yeah. teams involved, and, and et cetera, et cetera. And Craig's absolutely right because we always say, "Oh, we failed in qualifying against Ireland," but we didn't because Ireland went into the playoffs and got battered by Denmark. I think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yes. so you know, we 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 failed to get in the playoffs, but to not get in the playoffs was a failure. I think um, it was a good group to yeah. to, have, to have to have had a qualifying campaign with. 
for the first time ever, or certainly in my lifetime, I, I can remember, we didn't have a big boy. Well, we were the big boys in the group, really. Like, in terms of, like, you didn't have a Belgium or an Italy or, a, you know, Germany or whoever. Like, for the first time, because of the success in the previous Euros. And it did. I did feel, personally, as we came out with that, um, you know, the, the Irish games and the, mm-hmm. the Serbia games, I did feel like we'd missed an opportunity. And that's when I did wonder, you know, is the World Cup thing ever going to happen? Because I just felt like mm. I'm so used to always having like a Belgium or an Italy or someone in your group that when mm. you finally don't have those teams and you look at it on paper, you've they just come up, chance. you know, we're semi-finalists of the Euros. We've had a great thing. And we've got Georgia, um, Moldova, Ireland and Moldova and Austria, wasn't it? Um, oh, thinking, and come on. We came, we, we came back, didn't we? First game back and we smashed Moldova 4-0. And he looked at it and he just went, this team's Even different. Yeah. This team is different and they're still buzzing. And I just think that that autumn, I just think that the the summer buzz and then they're going back into pre-season and they've never experienced that short amount of time that you need as a top player to to, to get over your, your, your tired legs and get back into the groove and all the rest of it. And I just think we didn't, we just didn't quite hit the ground running fast enough that autumn that Moldova game apart and uh, and that left us playing catch up and at that point we were always behind the eight ball at that point so yeah so yeah. Uh, Chris Coleman left yeah. November 2017 two months of no manager eventually yeah. uh, certain Mr Ryan Giggs was appointed manager uh, signed a four year deal a lot of people fans were not particularly enthused by the appointment i think is fair to say there was certainly a mixed reaction to it yeah however i think i think that initial period was very difficult for him and i think he tried to carry on with what coleman had been doing previously and i think he stuck with some of those players which maybe he probably could have moved on for. I don't know. Maybe it's, it's a difficult one. No, I don't think um, so. Yeah. And and then it was only when the pressure started to, to maybe ramp up a little bit on gigs that and he, he there was definitely a change in in philosophy. At I, at some point, I'm trying to find the like the list of his games in charge, mm. but I, I forget off the top of my hand. But there was definitely a point where he. There was a visible change in tactics, philosophy, squad selection. People like Hal Robson, Carnu, um, and a few others disappeared. And it was a very, very, very young squad again. But he got them going. And, um, and then, yeah, look, I think well, I said right at the start of the show, mate, I said um, some people don't get enough credit for what they've done. And I sort of hinted that I thought he was one of them as a manager of Wales. And you take you know everything away from football out of it. And you take his friendlies as a player out of it, just as a, his period as a manager at Wales, I think he deserves credit for bringing in the young, young, young players, sticking with them, giving them confidence, playing a certain type of football and 
getting where you know he you know, he qualified for the Euros. Yep. Do you um, agree or do you disagree? No, I definitely agree to an element. You know, um, I think. Uh, so, so, so then let, let's go through that sort of point by point, if you like. So, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, there was there was a mixed mixed feelings about him taking over as manager. I, definitely, um, I think that had more to do with how he was viewed personally, and how he was viewed as his Wales career by the hardcore fans who had felt totally let down by him and his appearances for Wales. That could be argued two ways. I know he says, look, 67 caps is still a pretty decent cap haul. Um, but then he did play until he's 40 and, yeah, uh, and had retired from international football for a while while um, while he, he turned up for, for Great Britain. Mm. Um, so, so, so there was definitely that element to it. So, yeah, mixed, mixed bag on that. Totally agree. Um, I think, I think for to start with, the way he, he pulled it around and freshened it up, I think he was m- maybe a little bit too brutal on some of the older players too quickly. Um, but I sort of get why he did it. He did it in a very John Toshak kind of way, I suppose, really, if you want to draw parallels to it. And in terms of the way he sort of brought those, um, he, he went for the youngsters and he went, right. Come on, I'm not. I'm not going to get anywhere playing with these older players because they're coming to the end of their careers, and we can dog it out for another year or two. Uh, but what's going to be left for me? Anything? And I think what he had was um, what he had was was a, was a vision that uh, World Cup 2022 was his aim, and that if he could qualify for the Euros in 2020, then great. And they would definitely be in contention for it. But I think he and Jonathan Ford had come to an agreement that 2022 and that World Cup was definitely going to be the aim. And that is why he went straight to the younger players and tried to get him in. We had that wonderful game, didn't we, against uh, the Republic of Ireland where we battered them 4-1 and we could have battered them about 8-1. And, and you thought, wow, if this is the way he wants us to play. Now, I spent... Uh, a lot of time earlier on in the show, uh, singing the praises of Oshan Roberts. So I don't mean this is in any way derogatory to Oshan because what he did for Welsh football has been absolutely wonderful. However, I don't think he should have been kept on as an assistant manager. Or he was an assistant, actually. He was the out, but Stuvenberg was assistant and Oshan was first team coach. And so he was sort of, he went for the top job, didn't get the top job, lost his assistant manager job, became first team coach. And I just think that that dynamic between the three of them just didn't work. Coleman, uh, uh, Oshan is a, is a very tactical guy. Um, he's, he, he's, that, he's on a coach. He's a coach's coach. You know, he talk, mm-hmm. coach speak and he's a coach's coach. And he's got a big old brain and he sees the big strategy and the bigger picture. Great guy. But he's not a Chris Coleman. He's not a Chris Coleman who wraps himself around you and you go run through brick walls for him and, you know, that type of bloke and that type of manager. So he was great with Chris because he could bring the tactical side and Chris could bring the man management and Kit Simons was there to sort of be the jovial guy. And it was like between the three of them, it was a great combination. And then you had Ryan 
Albert Stufenberg. And Stufenberg's quite a nice guy, actually. I've met him. He's a really good company. Uh, really nice chap. Very snazzy dresser. So he's, he's got a good little personality to him as Albert. And he's obviously a very, very tactical coach. And him and Ryan, I think, come from quite a tactical, different tactical background than Oshan was trying to play. I think Oshan probably felt a bit left out in it. Or he not got the top job. He was relegated to first team coach. I just think that dynamic between the three didn't work. So that's why you always saw bitty performances and you had the youngsters coming in so it wasn't quite working and the moment it turned was when uh, Rob Page joined the setup Oshan left uh, went to Morocco Rob Page was promoted from the under 21s and I just think you just started to see that in that autumn uh, it was Rob Page that said bring in Joe Morrell and put him in midfield. It was uh, it was apparently him. They'd already taken a look at Kiefer Moore. And Page was pushing for him, and Page is very much the it, not. He's not the same bloke at all as Chris Coleman, but he is in that vein. He's uh, honest as the day is long. He'll tell a player if they're crap. He'll tell a player if they're brilliant, and he'd put his arm around him, and we give him a bollocking, and they'll know it's coming from an honest place. He's a really, really yeah. honest bloke, and I think the players absolutely adore that. They love Pagey. They do. They love him. And so bringing him into that dynamic, with that's where you saw the, the, the performances go, and that's where you saw the run of performances that took us to Hungary in that wonderful night at the Cardiff City Stadium. And, uh, yeah, so that that's my own take on it is that it was Paige's introduction into the backroom staff, which was the launch pad for that Ryan Giggs team. And then obviously what happened happened. And, uh, you know, mm. we won't talk much about that because that is no. still a live court case. And that's, yes, indeed. So not, so it, that's nothing to do with this, but obviously then Paige takes over. And I think that's why you've seen a continuation of the success. And, and, and almost, I think now Paige has, you know, he 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 kind of it's almost like it, the whole thing kind of replicating itself. Toshak comes in, Toshak goes, Speed comes in. Uh, Coleman wants to do what Speed's done, but then pushes it on. Well, Giggs comes in and be his own man, but not quite his own man. And Paige helps him to be his own man. He goes. Paige then takes over and is Brian Giggs for a while. Giggs was like, there were things like Paige was taking halftime phone calls. Uh, from my my understanding, uh, he was taking halftime phone calls from Ryan, and uh, and Ryan was picking the teams and things like that. And you're like, this is madness. The man's that no end. Continued into the, the Euros, didn't it? The like, man's the no actual tournament. Well, allegedly, right. we'll say. I, uh, that I'm I that I don't know, and that uh, I haven't been. Yeah, by, by my my understanding was that by by the Euros it was um, it was very much Page's team, but obviously with Stubenberg was there still, and so therefore had a big kind of play on tactics and mm. things like that. And Page was not. I don't, it you know. still felt like Ryan's team though in the Euros, and I think there was a big there was quite a common thing on social media and the shows that we were doing in the Euros, like people were saying. Is it is Robert Page picking the side or is Ryan Giggs picking the side? Uh, it was Page, a very confusing kind of. Yeah, no, no. I think by then, by then, um, so I think Craig's putting there how much influence did have in the early days. Uh, yeah, a lot of influence, from my understanding, Craig. It was a lot of influence. It was like the um, uh, the, the USA game and some of the nation national league game but the the games that were were taking place behind closed doors and because it was covid times and uh, yeah ryan was 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 making phone calls in in during games he was picking teams alongside page page was making 
making the calls and obviously reporting That's back. That's completely unattainable, isn't it? That's just. Uh, but you, you, you couldn't continue. That. You couldn't continue in that way, and uh, and so so that 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 obviously lent to but but I think by the time they got to the Euros, I think you were starting to see Page really put a stamp on it. Yeah. Because you were seeing, um, you know, he was making decisions with how Robson Carnu would come back in. Uh, he was sending the lads home because he felt that they'd overstepped the marks. He was putting down his marker that I'm the manager here. Now, now you will listen to me. And, and at that point, I think it was starting to move away from Ryan. And it was definitely being seen as Pagey's team. The, 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 the leftover bits were from um, Albert Stuvenberg still being in there. Uh, and I don't mean that in a bad way, mind. No, no. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there was there was conflict or anything like that. But what I was saying is that it wasn't Just a crossover, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a crossover period. It was it was Page was in there, but he didn't have any of his own men. He was just literally taking over the setup, and the setup was working fine, and, and because they were getting results, so you wouldn't change it as such, and you still had the coach in there because he said he'd agreed to stay on during the crossfires. But I think you've seen the team go again to a new level since Stubenberg has left and uh, Hill's been brought in and um, and all of a sudden you've seen Kit Simons coming back into the, uh, uh, sorry, not Hill, Alan Nil. <laughs> uh, and, and you've seen Alan Nil come back as the as the coach. You've seen Kit Simons brought into the setup um, and, and then you see the other coaches in there and obviously you've got uh, Strudwick as well is still there and you can see that there is now a really tight bond between the coaches the coaches are all on the same page it's very very much Robert Page's team it's the way Rob Page wants to play it and do it with coaches that he he's chosen so it's his backroom staff and his again absolutely not a dig at Albert Stubenberg at all because I think he did a great job for Wales uh, and, uh, and and I just think it was the circumstances um, but yeah now you can see his pages team and now you're seeing the results of that I think and, and mm. you can see the players the players are run through brick walls for him and and that coaching staff and that is so important at international level mm. Yeah, I, I can't believe how much you hate Albert. It's, it's unbelievable. <laughs> well, no. you, just, you don't want to, you know, when you compare no, you mean. and you're saying like it's Paige's team and stuff like that. And I, I don't want it to seem like, yeah, I know. It's a digger, Albert, because, I because it's absolutely not. Um, so, yeah, I just want to make that absolutely clear. Interesting couple of wrinkles, though, from yeah. the, the whole thing is so, first of all, um, obviously, Giggs's target was 22. 20, 22 World Cup, which also meant that his contract rolled over when they qualified, which is a, an, mm. an interesting wrinkle, which we discussed in your office the other week, was like, this could develop into something very complex at a really unneeded time. Yeah, And actually, within a week or two, it was all done and dusted. Um, but also, the other wrinkle, which I find, um, and I base this purely off my own social media and, and during the Euros, we were doing three shows a week, so we had a load of interaction from people. Um, people weren't entirely happy with Robert Page after the Euros. I think it's fair to say there was, not that they were unhappy necessarily, but there was a few people saying, I don't know whether he's up to the job or if he's, you know, if it's a, just maybe a bridge too far. There was questions at least, should we say. Um, and but like to me, I thought there was a couple of questions. There was a few things I didn't necessarily agree with or whatever, but but ultimately I thought he did a pretty good job in the Euros in very difficult circumstances. But since the Euros, 
I think he's put any question of it to bed. And don't forget, the Mike. Addition, you mentioned the additional wrinkle. We're working with someone else's team, didn't you? Team, yeah, but don't forget, Page has been working essentially on a on a bloody like match to match basis almost. You know, international window Crazy. to international window. So he, you know, he, he would get a contract to see it through the autumn. And then like what happens then? Oh, and then he, a few months later he agrees like the uh, you know a deal to take it through March. And then mm. <laughs> yeah. give him another contract. It's like ah, that you know. Come yeah. on, come on. Somebody make a decision here. Somebody I put think all on the table and make a decision. As soon as they moved to Robert Page's team and not Ryan Giggs's team in terms of the backroom staff, that's when some sort of decision should have been made. Yeah. But I understand the reasoning why, and like, yeah. you're not going to go into those reasons. Yeah, I'm, look, I'm no lawyer. I'm no lawyer. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know the the ins and outs of of what it all meant contractually or or anything like that. And you know, it's very easy to sit there and say, "Oh, well, Ryan Giggs should have done this," or you know, the FAW should have done that. And I, you can have an opinion on it, but it would be only an opinion. It would be based on legal knowledge and or anything like that. So, indeed, what we have um, what we had. We will finish off with the Ukraine game now, because um, that's the obvious place to start uh, to finish. But um, I wanted to just ask you about, which is kind of weird because we're going to like destroy the order of things a bit. But I wanted to ask you about Ryan's decision to quit and when he quit, and kind of like, were you surprised and was it the right thing to do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Oh, I think um, I think one of Gareth Bale's uh, Nations League press conferences pretty much put that to bed, didn't he? When he came out and said, "I think Rob Page should be the long term." Is Rob Page the manager to take Wales to the to the World Cup? Absolutely not. I think Rob Page is the long term manager of Wales. Mm. You know, when Bale comes out and says that, you know, that's that's where the team no, that's, that's where the team's at. That's where the 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 players are at, and therefore, I think there was only one decision to be made. And uh, and Ryan did it, yeah, yeah. Obviously, um, you know, did what good, did what he, he, good, he good felt he needed, and I think that he was kind of left in no doubt that you know time times have moved on, and even you know if if his court case comes back and he, there was a possibility of him taking Wales over at, at the World Cup, it would not have been a good look. <laughs> it would not have been welcome back, or, you know. No. So um, I, well, I think I think uh, should things go his way, if he had tried to come back for the World Cup, that would rub the players up the wrong way. However, so. by by quitting when he did, what he can or has potentially opened the door to is in the future he could come back as Wales manager, depending on. X, Y, and Z from out away from football. Whereas if he had yeah. kind of bulldozed his way through yeah. on a legal standpoint. So um, kind of... so do you think Paige should get a contract now or would you wait until the World Cup? Um well see this is that's the interesting one. I think I think he's got a contract now, hasn't he, to the end of the World Cup. Yeah. So I don't know. It's a tricky one, isn't it? Because the chances are you give him a three year contract and we have you know, the most dreadful World Cup performance ever, and you're like, oh, we're just giving him a three-year contract. But then in the equally... Oh, does, in, does that matter? 
Well, that's where it's going to follow Joe's up with it. Fire, would he fire him if, it was, uh, if he doesn't get out of the group? I wouldn't fire him if he didn't get out of the group, necessarily. But there is, like, if we were to lose all three games 5-0, you know, like, <laughs> I know it's unlikely, but... No, 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 it's... Uh, I go, uh, yeah... I don't so I don't see the harm in waiting to, until uh, the World Cup's over. My genuine opinion is even if he lost all those games 5-0, I'd still give him a long-term contract. And now that sounds crazy, but then it's not going to happen, right? But yeah. but it's conceivable that we come away from the World Cup with, with one point or, you know, that, oh, that so could happen. It could happen. Well, you'd, like to think, you'd like to think it, it wouldn't, but there are four teams that are very closely matched in terms of world rankings. Um, so all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I think you give them the long-term contract. Why not? You've got a young side there. He's not going to have Bale forever. I'd like to think that Bale looks at it and goes, well, I've got um, 18 months to go until the start of the Euros. Uh, sorry, yeah, start of the Euros in, in Germany, which will be an incredible tournament. I'm 30, 33. I can get another 18 months done. You know, uh, maybe he's enjoying life out in LA and thinks, ah, I could do another year of this cross and he goes out there and he plays a bit and he comes back and he's happy and everybody cracks on and and, and uh, yeah and, and these young players need those they need the joe allens to stick around for another year they need the hennessy to stick around for another year they need they need ramsey going to find somewhere to play football on a regular basis and stick around for a couple of years and i don't see i i wouldn't change it in the slightest i wouldn't change it in the slightest i think mean, page has done a cracking job and i think there's more to come from rob page as well that's the exciting thing that as a manager i think he's learned on the job and um and i think he's learning he's learning quickly really quickly doesn't always get um, it right doesn't no. always get it right and that's you know that, that that's what it is but um yeah I, i'm with will page keeps his job whatever happens yeah i i and i don't disagree with that i think well the, the point i was making more was there's no he's got a contract till the end of the world cup so i don't see there's no harm in you know discussing it after the world cup but also, no, no, I, I, I agree. I agree with that. I that could also agree. be the most Welsh thing to do because we could go and get to the semi-finals again, and then suddenly Robert Page's demands have doubled, or and or, rightly so. Or we're off the back of it because the Premier League have just had a six-week break, and uh, there's a couple of clubs there who've gone yeah. sling your rook manager, and uh, and uh, and are looking at a Rob Page to come in and. Um, and be a I club manager and offer twice the, twice the amount of money that, that we can offer at the FAW, you know. So, yeah, look, you take your chances, don't you, in that in that respect. I don't see any reason in why you wouldn't, stick, you know, give him a nice fat contract. Or not, well, not a fat contract, but just give him a, give him a long-term a good, contract, good, good, what good. I mean. A long-term contract to take us through to the uh, Euro uh, Euros in 2024. Qualifying starts in March, by the way, for, for the Euros. Jesus yeah, yeah. We get the draw so, in um, October right, time, right. I think it is, and then uh, and then we come off the back of the World Cup, and our first game back is a qualifier for the Euro twenty twenty four. Insanity, you know how quickly it's they come out. But and, and most of all, uh, Lawrence, there's no one me. else out there, mate. Well, that's it. it what, where, where would you be if you didn't have football? Keeps me off the streets, pal. <laughs> that's it. But also, um. Like, there's no obvious, there's not like a, a manager out there, which I'm thinking, no, he'd be a good Welsh manager. So, amen. You know, Craig. even from that front, amen to Craig, do the deal now, give him security and the Get players, the players so they know what they're yeah. working towards. Him. Amen. Absolutely. Amen. That's my, yeah. Right. Finish us off, mate. Talk to me about the Ukraine game and then I'll let you go to bed. 
<laughs> um, uh, the UK game uh, was one of the most. You were working. Tight. Yeah, I was working. There was um, so I was doing the talk sport um, updates and a little bit of FC Cymru, uh, but mainly mainly the talk sport stuff. Actually, my company was doing two, we doing a whole bloody load of things. We had a we had a, a thing that the FAW got us to do a thing called uh, the starting eleven. So we live streamed from the side of the pitch. We had Abigail Davis. Uh, on the side of the pitch, two presenters out and about around the stadiums. So we did that for about 40 minutes. All the technology held up, and it was like, so before it went quite well, actually. But that was fantastic. So fingers crossed we'll be doing that again. Uh, the stadium was absolutely bouncing. It was just wonderful. I was then uh, did my talk sports stuff. Uh, we had Dean Saunders in the studio. Um, and, uh, and yeah, we, it was just it was wonderful. And the bail goal goes in. You think, yeah, this is it. This is wonderful. But... We rode our luck. We rode our luck, and it was tense, and it was horrible. And then I watched the back. Uh, I did what you've done with the the Belgium game. And properly watched it back, and I think people that said that that that, that we were outplayed by Ukraine, I, I sort of actually disagree with that. I think I think we yeah, very I much set our stall out, and I actually think although Hennessy made a large number of saves, m- most of which were pretty regulation saves that you would expect him to make the one that was sensational was that header where Leon wow that had big old Wayne Hennessy hand came out and pushed the ball wide fantastic but we hit the post with Brennan Johnson we had a great chance in the first half with Bay I think put it over the bar um and and we had another chance of Bay or second half Dan James I think we had four or five really, really good chances that we should have buried. Um, Someone needs to get hold of Daniel James and do some finishing training because he's got everything except finishing, one-on-one finishing. Dan James has started every single one of Rob Page's games in charge. I think he's exceptional. He is exceptional. And I think there should be more concentration on what he can do than what he can't do. Indeed. Um, anyway, go on. Uh, so, so yeah, the final whistle comes, and the final whistle was the best bit of the game. <laughs> and then the stadium celebrations were just magnificent. And, and a huge amount of credit goes to the Welsh fans because, in the midst of all that, in the midst of all that glory, in the midst of all of that passion and that you know unbridling of sixty-four years of hurt, in all of that, they did the thunderclap with the. Ukraine fans, they clapped the Ukraine fans, they clapped the Ukraine players. I thought it was the most wonderful didn't invade show. the pitch. They didn't, but four or five did, and I thought, oh god. And then they just got. I think why they saw it, it happened right, <laughs> happened right by me, and I saw the first one come on, and this steward absolutely nailed him, nailed him. And I, well, I like to think that a few others looked at that and went. Oh, no, thank you. Uh, and uh, but no, it like ninety point nine nine percent of the stadium was just wonderful, and the reaction to the Ukraine players just showed so much class, so much class, and um, uh, and it was just fantastic, fantastic to see them and the way that they uh, they behaved themselves and reacted to it and and brought in the Ukraine players and fans and. And given everything that they're going through, it, it meant a lot to me. Really meant a lot to me. Absolutely, and, and mate. Now I think so. Yeah, the first football it. game that I ever cried over as well. Was it? Yes. Um, I, I had a strange conversation. So I watched it in my house in the end, and um, I watched it, 
and my father-in-law was watching it at his house and then we sort of just exchanged some text messages as we go in and then it like it turned out that we'd basically both been watching it mm. and kind of crying at the same time but just oh, like i think i had i think i had like a podcast or something a bit later on so i had yeah. to come home instead of watching it i normally would have watched it with him and it was just this weird thing but like yeah that was the one that really got me and i think probably because that was the most stressful game of football I've ever watched. <laughs> it really because was, wasn't it? Yeah. It was like either we were missing the chances or Wayne Hennessy was saving something. And saving it was just a shot to the other end, yeah. Wayne Hennessy, yeah. another one, doesn't get enough credit. 104 no, caps for Wales. Definitely. Yeah. So there we go, mate. Um, there was one question I was going to put to you, mm. um, which Craig had asked earlier, and I starred it for, for later. Um, he says, controversial, I know, but do you think... Uh, our success is the development of the Premier League academies because so many of the top Welsh youngsters have gone through it uh, and our team has changed from back in the day when it was full of second and third division and and a boy gold. I think there was even a couple of Welsh league players in there as well at some point. So, so, so basically yeah, the, so. the improvement of the Premier League academy system. Yeah, I don't think that's controversial in the slightest, to be honest with you, Craig. I think you're absolutely, absolutely spot on with that. I think the, um, yeah, we, uh, I know, <laughs> I know my, my good friend at TalkSport, Adrian Durham, has uh, uh, caused a lot of uh, controversy, I suppose, uh, with his opinion that Wales should be thanking England for all their success. Uh, I don't think that. I don't think that at all. I think Adrian is on the wind-up there. But, uh, he knows that, what he's doing. That's his job. Um, uh, and he does it and he does it so well as well. Um, but, yeah, so, so uh, yeah, I think, I think, I think we have. Um, you, you look at a, a certain period of, of time over the last few years where Swansea players from their academy um, were, were filling up the age-grade sides because of the success they had. And also in terms of the way that they, um, uh, the way that they've developed players and what have you, I think I think absolutely we are reaping the benefits of that. To be quite honest with you, um, also I think that we the the up the, the upsurge. So you see the Premier League and the type of players that they get in at the Premier League, and that level is unbelievable now, right? That level is unbelievable. But that also means that the Championship's gone, and the Championship is now at a level. Where, where, you know, we had second division players like Bloody Marques or Word and what have you in the past, and you think they are not international level boys, mm. but they are they're decent, decent pros in the uh, in the English leagues, but they are not international level. But you can play in the Championship now and be an international level player. And the other thing, and Premier League two, isn't it? Yeah, and, and the other final final thing on that is that actually our players are because they're so well schooled now through the age groups and at their Premier League academies, that they're very, very technical players. So you can have somebody like Joe Morrell, who is playing in League One, but actually his style of football and the style of player that he is suits the international game more than it suits League One level. And so therefore, that's why you see them being able to go in, step in and perform at that level. And because they've stepped up through that Welsh way and that Welsh, you know, standard level to level to level to level. So by the time they get to the international level, they they call it caps even at lower level. So when you speak to the likes of Richie Williams and to uh, Matty Jones and all that kind of stuff, they talk about caps 
And they want their players, by the time they hit the national side, the, the elite uh, men's team, to have had 30 caps, 30 games at, at age grade levels. And that's coming through the 16s, coming through the, the 15s, 16s, 17s, now 18s, 19s, 21s, 30 caps. And then they jump into the senior scene. Some of them obviously accelerate beyond that. You've got the likes of Joe Morrell and Harry Wilson and all those guys who have come through the 21s, gone through that system and, uh, and already schooled in what it takes to be an international footballer. So it's really interesting. It's really interesting. And I think you're absolutely right to get there, Craig. I think it's bang on, bang on with that. And I think um, someone said earlier in the chat that um, our Ethan, uh, Ethan Ampadu is already on like 30-odd caps and he's only 21. 36. So like- 36 caps. I think he's on now. 35, 36 caps. Uh, uh, Craig has followed up. Hopefully we'll get some good Welsh academies in the future. Craig, that is the future. That, that, that. There is some. I know that. of some. There are some. Yeah, some, there are some very good, some very good academies and some people doing, but need to be better. They need to be better. Yeah. And, a few um, years. and they need to be playing on good surfaces around the country. And the FAW are really focusing on facilities at grassroots level. That is how we become. That's how we become a self-sustaining football nation. Because you look at our population; it's not a huge population. But it, but but I think there's in Croatia it, their population of four point two, four point three million. So why aren't we producing players like Croatia do? They've got clubs there that don't have money, like the Premier League clubs. They don't have them, but they have facilities and they have the ability to be able to produce a good, good number of international players. So we should be aiming to be like a Croatia, in my opinion. Spot on, mate. Absolutely spot on. Um, ladies and gentlemen, I appreciate you all joining us as ever as we've taken a little trip down memory lane, a little trip down memory lane. Um, I told Lawrence this was going to be an hour and a half at the most, so he's given us extra time. Um, mate, I do really appreciate you. Uh, uh, I, I could be here all night. I just wish I'd had a couple of beers while I was there. Yeah, of drinking water. You know what it's like, mate? You end up going off on a tangent mm. and like talking about all different stuff, especially Welsh football. It's yeah. like the ultimate. Can I do subject, a quick plug right? for Welsh football fans? Of course, I've, I've linked uh, all of it down below, but you. Oh, that's sensational. Yeah, on Thursday, guys, um, I, I'm going to be in the audience drinking beer and eating pizza, but uh, the guys will be doing a Welsh football fans live. Uh, from our studios in in Cardiff Bay um, on Thursday evening, 7.30, I think. And there'll be a band and some singing and some general chaos, which usually usually, usually happens. Uh, so, yeah. So, yeah, if you, if you can come and watch that, guys, that'll be wonderful. Simon's going to come and join me for a beer there, aren't you? So, uh, so it should be great. I will be there. Um, so, I'll man. see you on Thursday, mate. Appreciate your time, as ever. Taking you Pleasure. away from you from your family for a couple of hours oh, right. we've been on holiday together for the last week we're sick of the sight yeah. of each other it's fine saving you, <laughs> saving you saving you or saving them i don't know it's, uh, yeah which way around is it yeah, but, to be fair then yeah. <laughs> uh, as always mate it's a pleasure i'll um i'll see you thursday and uh, yeah yeah thanks to everyone who's been watching along and checking the comments in as well guys thanks so much great to great to have had you along legends um and also um just for anyone uh, on YouTube, I think I'm on about 4,900 and something subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel already, please do. I want to try and hit 5,000. That would be nice. Nice little my, milestone. And um, tomorrow night, my story featuring uh, rapper and mindset coach Jay Speaks filmed at Eat Sleep Media. 
so there we go champion it's a pleasure as always see you soon guys Cheers, bye. Uh, bye now sports social podcast network